What's poppin', y'all? Beautiful people around the world. Welcome to the first official episode of the Heliocentric Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Pierre, Pee Wee the Plug, and Dreesen. Today's episode, the first official one, is a jam-packed one. We got a lot of things to discuss and talk about after this opening week of the NBA. But before we dive into that, I just want to remind everybody at home who's watching on YouTube, make sure you hit that like button for me. And if you're new and you enjoy this type of content, make sure you subscribe. Now, my YouTube and audio listeners, I'm going to be leaning on y'all and asking y'all to head over to your audio platforms or wherever you listen to your podcast and give this podcast a thumbs up and five stars and some kind words if you can find it in your heart i'm gonna be leaning on y'all early with these podcast episodes for extra extra support just to make sure we hit that algorithm hard and get this podcast in front of all of the people in the world who love basketball talk like us now with all of that out of the way we can finally dive in into the nba season that has returned um i'm excited man it's a lot of things going on I've been feeling like a kid in the candy store, just looking at all of the different players, all of the different teams, looking at guys have ultra success. I'm looking at some guys that I'm kind of disappointed in. Some teams have had some good starts. But the first thing that I want to talk about and discuss that really stood out to me um, early is we have six undefeated teams, which is the Pacers, Celtics, Magic. We have the Nuggets, Mavericks and Pelicans, uh, three teams out east, three teams out west. And then we also have four winless teams, which is the Nets, the Rockets, the Grizzlies, and the Trailblazers. Now, the reason this is important for me and why this is eye-opening is because my favorite thing that we've had the last few years in the NBA is a thing called parity, where there's a lot of competitive basketball being played. There's not really nights off. Yeah, granted, you are going to have some bottom-feeding teams that just aren't good, But for the most part, on any given night, any team can beat any team and they're going to make the upper echelon teams work for their wins. And the reason this is important is because when you think about the last decade and as we usher into a new decade and ultimately, sadly enough, um, you know, a new era of basketball, the last decade was kind of dominated by two entities, which was LeBron James and Steph Curry. Granted, we did have Kobe get a ring. We had Dirk get a ring. We had Kawhi get two, uh, which is kind of underrated and not spoken about enough. But for the most part, you had the Cavs, you have the Warriors. And then in the early part of the decade, you had the the Heatles, the Miami Heat dominating the NBA Finals appearances um, and winning the rings. We had three for LeBron. He got two with Miami. He got one with Cleveland. Then you had three for Curry um, and then two with Kawhi and then Dirk and Kobe. You turn the, the the decade or the page into the new decade of the 2020s, and already we have four different champions. The Lakers won in a bubble in 2020. After that, um, post-pandemic, you have the Bucks winning against Phoenix, and Giannis gets his first ring. Then you have the Warriors and Steph Curry getting a dynasty win to add to their legacies um, after they beat the young Boston Celtics. And then last year, you have the Denver Nuggets. So the first four years of this new decade and new era of basketball, we already have four different title winners. And when I look at this season to start after the first week, yeah, I see contenders. I see teams that look to be favorites. But there is no clear-cut understanding of a definite winner or a definite appearance from a certain team the last decade we were kind of 
you know, thrown into a situation where we're used to seeing one or two specific faces. In the beginning of the decade, we knew we were going to see the Miami Heat. There was no way and no chance. And a couple of times throughout those years, we would try to convince ourselves or trick ourselves to believe that, man, maybe the Indiana Pacers could upset the Heat. We were so caught up in the whirlwind of rooting for a new underdog to beat the Goliath Miami Heat that we kind of fell for the bait year in and year out. And then when LeBron returned to Cleveland, it became these two juggernaut teams that when we entered each season, we kind of already prepared ourselves to have Cavs versus Warriors. And the 82-game season kind of felt fake. It didn't feel like it meant anything. Even when Toronto had good years, we always said, could Toronto really beat LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love? Um, I remember Detroit had a nice young playoff team, Reggie Jackson, KCP, Drummond. But could they really beat the Cleveland Cavaliers? And obviously, no, they got swept. The Chicago Bulls and D. Rose post-injury, they still had a lot of toughness and a lot of fight. And they they made the Cleveland Cavaliers earn their, their, their wins in that series. But... Could they really beat the Cavs? We failed for the bait a few times. But ultimately, we all knew the setup and final destination was going to be LeBron James and his crew against Steph Curry and his Splash Brother crew. And that's just what it was. These last few years, we're heading into these seasons. And we have all of these predictions, all of these favorites. And I truly think we haven't been right as a basketball community. Each year, there's been somebody new or something unexpected as a favorite and there's just uncertainty of what we're going to see in the finals. And I've been loving that. And I think this season fits that mold. I I tell you right now, we have a bunch of contenders, but anybody that's telling you this team is definitely going to the finals and they're definitely going to play this team. There's just no way. Last year we had the Miami heat as an AFC as a playing team, go all the way to the finals. Nobody outside of a Miami heat fan could have predicted that. The Nuggets were a team that just couldn't get over that hump, and a lot of teams did. A lot of people did like them, but a lot of teams, uh, a lot of people also looked at the Warriors because they had, you know, won the championship before. You look at Phoenix after adding Kevin Durant. There was some hype around the Nuggets, but there was that bit of, you know, history that we saw where man, could they ever get over the hump? The same thing happened with Giannis and the Bucks. When the year they won a championship, I don't know if a lot of people was like, this is the year. They were like, hey, we've seen this story. We've seen them be dominant, but can they get over that hump? And they finally did. So now we're in a situation where I believe we have four legit contenders. Two out west and we have two out east. That's just like no question nobody can argue against it. They just are contenders whether you like it or not. It just is what it is. Out West, you have the Denver Nuggets. They've started this season 3-0. They're flawless. They haven't missed a beat. Uh, the starting five looks even better, if you ask me. The only thing you can say is that they lost Bruce Brown and Jeff Green. And, um, yeah, the, the young guys that they're leaning on now to come off of that bench, are they going to be ready for playoff basketball? They sure as hell look like they'll be ready uh, based off of this opening week. Obviously, playoff basketball is something different, but they're just perfect. They are like – I compare the Nuggets and that starting five to chicken. And the reason I hear me out, chicken is a food that can make like 20 different meals, right? You can make chicken breast, grilled chicken. You can make fried chicken. You can make chicken strips. You can have a chicken Caesar salad. You can have chicken tacos. You can have a chicken sandwich. You can have chicken tenders, you know, chicken wing, like anything. You can make so many endless chicken wraps 
You can make so many different things with just this one food. And that starting five in Denver is kind of the same thing to me. There's so many different ways of basketball they can play. They can get stops. They can play fast. They can play half-court offense. They're good in a clutch. They can get three-point shots. They can get easy layups and, and dunks out in transition. They can get uh, They can rebound. They can pass, high IQ, versatile. They can switch. Like They have every single thing you want out of a starting five. Um, and they're a contender, and they should be respected as the reigning champions to have a chance to repeat. The other team out west, we haven't seen them at 100% just yet. But the Phoenix Suns, man, anytime you have that much talent on the floor together, that offensive talent, you know, with the added veteran presence that they have and use of Nurkic, um, is it somebody who's going to buy into what they need in the interior? Eric Gordon, Josh Okoge, those type of role players with a Frank Vogel head coach who is came up with winning defenses and has done a lot of winning in his coaching career. You have to consider them. Love it, hate it. You have to consider the Suns. What Kevin Durant just did the last two games without Bradley Bill of Book shows you he's still elite, especially when it comes to scoring, but all, uh, offensively just leading a tribe um, out there by itself is, is still a sight to see for Kevin Durant. Then you add in the fact that Devin Booker gave us a MVP performance out of the gate against Golden State Warrior. He looked like the the best shooting guard in the league, no doubt, but also potentially a top seven player if we're getting that type of book. Because he's not only deadly with the scoring, but he made the plays down the stretch and was using his passing as a weapon as well, which I think is just brilliant. And then we still haven't seen Bradley Beal. So this team has to be a team that you think about when you talk about contenders out west. Now out east, you have the Milwaukee Bucks. The Milwaukee Bucks have the most dominant interior force that we've seen since Shaquille O'Neal and Giannis Antetokounmpo. They go out and they add one of the most explosive weapons from the perimeter and Damian Lillard, probably the best three-point shooter we've seen in a while um, outside of Steph Curry. Uh, so far in their games, they've looked absolutely magnificent besides the game against the Hawks. That was just – Damian Lillard is never going to play like that again. But against the, the 76ers at home, Damian Lillard, 39 points – um, all of the clutch shooting, all of the clutch plays that we've become used to seeing him have, he had in a debut. Um, and that duo is something that you have to think about, especially when you have Chris Middleton and then you still have Brooke Lopez, Bobby Portis off of the bench. Love the way Malik Beasley is buying in. Um, you have some veterans off the bench with uh, Connaughton and Crowder and different things like that. Now, the other contender, the Boston Celtics, it's just like the Nuggets to me. That starting five, in my opinion, is flawless. They're undefeated as well, just like the Nuggets. They do everything. They can play fast, half court. They have spacing. They have isolation scores. They have defense, versatility, uh, perimeter defense, interior defense. They have everything. Okay, strength, length, speed. Every box, they check it off. They're a contender as well. The good dynamic, though, outside of those contenders, are teams that you may not pick as your champion, but they're teams that can make those contenders work or there are matchups that those contenders don't want to see in the first or second round. And that group of teams to me right now is the Cleveland Cavaliers, the New York Knicks, the Philadelphia 76ers who look really good. I think those are all teams that I'm not picking to win the championship, but if I'm the Bucks, if I'm the Celtics, those aren't teams that I want to see in the first round. Joel Embiid looks really well. He just had a six-block night 
Um, his best game so far this season, for sure. Tyrese Maxey has looked well. Tobias Harris is still being a super glue guy for them. P.J. Tucker is a workhorse. Kelly Oubre has been uh, super exciting off the bench for them. And hopefully sometime soon they'll be getting James Harden. He was just on the bench for the last game for them, all smiles and happy with his teammates. So that's something to keep an eye out on. The Knicks, our offense has looked terrible so far. Um, and we just had a really, really bad loss against the Pelicans. But still, I believe we're a team that you just don't want to face in the first round. Um, and same thing with the Cleveland Cavaliers. The length, the scoring ability from Donovan Mitchell, who has already been extremely clutch. You have Darius Garland, who's, you know, a slice and dicing point guard who will dissect everything on the floor. And then you have the front court of Jared Allen, Evan Mobley. Max Struess has been really well for them to begin this season. Isaac Okoro has had some moments. Karis LeVert is coming off that bench looking to score buckets. They're, those are just not teams you want to see in the first round. Same thing out West. I'm not picking the Kings to win a championship. Um, but they're not a team that I want to I want to see in the first round. I understand the Clippers and their history. And, you know, can they stay healthy? I get all of those questions and concerns and why you might not want to pick them to win the championship. But I'll tell you this. None of those teams that are contenders or up top want to see the Clippers and Kawhi and Paul George, that duo, in the first round. That's just not ideal. Um, And on top of all of that, to round things out, you also have teams that just have that history. And they have that cachet. And now East, you have the Miami Heat where Jimmy Butler in a regular season is a top 15 to 18 player in the league, and then he hits the playoffs, and now he's a top eight guy all of a sudden. And then you have Eric Spolstra, who's just X and O's ready to give any defense or any team a headache when he's able to key in on you for seven games. And based off of the bubble, based off of last year as a play-in team, you have to consider them. And not only do you have to consider them, you have to respect them with Bam Adebayo, a defensive player of the year candidate year in and year out. Tyler Hero stepping into his own as, as becoming a bucket uh, as after being a six-man uh, of the year guy. And then you always have to look out for them finding a, a diamond and a rough guy out of nowhere who's going to be a big-time contributor. So you have that. Out west, you have the Golden State Warriors. Yes, the Golden State Warriors should be respected. They should be feared because this three-headed monster and Steph, um, Draymond, and Clay, they just know how to win. They know how to win. They won a couple years ago. They won in the last decade. Um, one of the best winning dynasties we've seen in a very long time. Steph Curry is 35. He's not looking like it. Clay Thompson, all of the injuries he's had, and as he's getting older, he's still a guy who can have a game six Clay moment. And Draymond Green is still the heart and soul of this team that ties in everything and gives them that edginess on the defensive end. And then you have great role players who just buy into what they're supposed to do, like Kevon Looney and Andrew Wiggins. And the difference for them this year, opposed to last year, was the fact that they're they're back to leaning towards veteran presence instead of like depending solely on young guys. The Jordan Poole, Kaminga, Moody, Wiseman. They were just so young, and the Warriors, to me, at their best, with their best teams, they've always had a certain veteran presence coming off that bench to help them. And this year is Chris Paul, Corey Joseph, um, Dario Saric, who I really like and can fit. I wish they had a little bit more size up front, but I love the fact that they're going to lean a little bit more on the veteran presence while still giving opportunity to Kaminga and Moody to have um, some big-time input and impact on this team. So we just named about 12 teams, right? First 15 minutes, 
we, we just talked about 12 teams that have legitimate chances and consideration to do something in the playoffs. We have contenders that are no doubters. We have teams that have the history. Oh, and I forgot a team. Look at me. The Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James. Um, anytime you give LeBron James a star, he's going to win. You give him a star in Miami with Dwayne Wade, you also gave him Chris Bosh. He gave you two. You pair him up with a star in Cleveland, Kyrie Irving, you also gave him Kevin Love. He won a championship. You give him Anthony Davis after that first year with the young guys in L.A., they win a championship. LeBron James can turn, you know, nothing into something by himself. But you give him a superstar and you always are going to have a chance to win a championship. So the Lakers have to be considered as well. They always have some drama and some things to start the season and some things to figure out because there's always a lot of roster turnover. But uh, for the most point, for the most part, they're going to figure it out and they're going to be a team that you have to consider and that a lot of teams don't want to see. Facing up with LeBron James in the first round with a healthy superstar star sidekick, it's not a, it's not a sight that you want to see heading into the playoffs. So you have to consider the Los Angeles Lakers as well. Now, that's 12 teams. Uh, Luka in the, in the Mavericks, we'll see what happens with them. But I, I believe Luka is just not a guy that you want to see in the first round either. The Clippers will tell you all about that. But the point is, though we have definite contenders and teams that you should respect and look like heavy favorites, there are still some matchups out there that can give them a run for their money, that could upset them. And even at the least, if those teams still win and survive these first round, second round matchups, these are not walkovers. When you're a top seed contending team and you handle business in a regular season, you're supposed to match up with an eighth seed that's kind of like a buy. It's supposed to be something that's like, yeah, we play so we stay warm, but we're so much better than this team that it's supposed to be just a clean, easy sweep. At best, they get one win on the uh, at home while we're a little sluggish or not taking them serious, and then we just go home and we close out the series in five. But we're out of all these teams I name, these are some matchups that can easily go six or seven games and be really tough. I'm talking really beat you up and get you exhausted. And by the time you get to the second round as a top seed who's a heavy favorite contender, you bruised and banged up and, and, and fatigued for the second round matchup. So parity in the league is something right now that's standing out um, a lot to me. Hopefully your team was able to be named. I don't want to short or slight anybody um so far but i'm looking at that and i'm excited as hell about having um a lot of parity and a lot of different situations where it's not gonna be easy you know the days of like heading into december being like oh man i just wish we can get to the playoffs so we can just see lebron versus steph like those days they they were cool and we were younger so we kind of convinced ourselves that there were chances to see goliath fall but it never happened as as much as houston tried to fight it uh, the Chicago Bulls tried to fight at the Pacers. There was just nothing there substantial for that to become a realistic um, output. So that's something that um, I'm liking and enjoying thus far. I want to talk about these winless teams. The uh, the Nets, Rockets, Grizzlies, and, and Trailblazers. Going into the season, we talked about how deep out West was because a lot of teams improved. And there were so many teams to consider when you talk about playoff spots. And one of the teams I got highlighted right here is the Grizzlies. Because the Grizzlies already are missing job for 25 games. And then right before the season started, we got the news that they weren't going to have Steven Adams uh, for the rest of the year. Uh, prayers are for Steven Adams because they're saying that that could be career affecting injury. So, you know, Steven Adams has been beloved 
um, in the NBA community. So we're hoping that he's bounced back. But yeah, you don't have Brandon Clark, Stephen Adams, or John Morant for the first 25 games. And in a conference that's gotten so much better and so deep, them having this 0-3 start is just tough. Um, specifically because the first two games they really fought uh, against the Pelicans. They fought hard and, and kept themselves alive for that. I just knew that the Nuggets were going to come and run them out of the gym. That wasn't the case. They got some some nice performances for some guys off the bench, specifically Derrick Rose in a night where Desmond Bain just couldn't get it going. They still made that game close and gave themselves a chance. And then they had a disappointing loss um, a, co- a couple nights ago that uh, against the Wizards, a young Wizards team that didn't really look too well against the Pacers. Um, and now they find themselves on three. Three home losses out of the gate. Um, Desmond Bain looked well in the first game. Last two games, he's kind of struggled. I don't know if the offensive work, uh, workload is taking a toll on him. They also haven't had Santi Aldama. They have had some some guys step up. Xavier Tillman has been rebounding the basketball really well. Uh, Zaire Williams has given them some juice. Um, but they're leaning on guys that you aren't used to seeing play 30 minutes a game. And it's hurting them. It's hurting them. And my fear for them is that 25 games – will be too much um on the surface level i was thinking like man if the grizzlies can stay somewhere near 500 and it's still a possibility but three games in i just don't know if they're going to be able to survive it uh, because soon they're probably going to be going on the road if your first three games is at home that road trip is coming up extremely soon i don't have their schedule in front of me but winning on the road is going to be a lot tougher for this team that's depleted than winning at home and you know if they fall too far behind the eight ball we start to look at you know two and eight start you know three and seven I think you're too far behind to play catch up it's not impossible for all of my Memphis Grizzly fans who are listening and, and, and watching this it's not impossible but when you have a Western Conference as deep as it is and the top teams are having good starts the Nuggets are are, are handling business you know, the Mavericks are handling business. The Pelicans handling business. You don't want to fall too far behind. You just don't. And so I'm worried and concerned about the Grizzlies. The Rockets. The Rockets are a little disappointing to me because they are a team that I claimed at the beginning of the season. I'm like, I'm rooting for this team. You know, they drafted really well with Amin Thompson and Cam Whitmore. Um, you know, you had these New Year jumps for certain guys lined up like Jabari, Alperin, Shingoon, Jalen Green, my guy Tari Easton, who we still haven't seen because he's dealing with injuries. And then you spend your money. And, yeah, you spent it big. You spent a lot of it. But I think you spent it wisely in the grand scheme of things because you bring in some guys who I think mesh with this young core because you don't want it to bring in too, anybody too dominant that's going to stop the growth of these guys. But you definitely wanted to bring in some veterans who are going to defend, compliment, and lead by example. And Dylan Brooks probably ain't leading by example, but he gives you that edginess and that chippiness that you need, um, taking up for those young guys and getting some respect around the league. And then you have Fred Van Vliet, who's more of the leader and the voice and the guy that can lead by example, Jeff Green as well. So I was thinking this team not going to make the playoffs, but I wanted to see some positives. I wanted to see some growth. And so far through the first three games, I'm, I'm just not seeing that. They had a tough game last night against the Warriors where they did fight. This is probably the best performance, in my opinion, that they've had all year. But other than that, the first game to lose by 30 
to the Orlando Magic. I talked about it in my first impressions video. I that was just disappointing. Ten points from Jalen Green. His only real field goals outside of the free throw line um, scoring was you know a dunk and layups. Same thing with Jabari. I think Jabari had seven and nine points, um, layups, free throws, and a dunk. And I just think that there's something missing. There's some understanding missing there when I've watched them against San Antonio as well. I've seen where I thought they were going to win that game and they let a young Spurs team uh, who don't have the veteran presence that they have come back and win that game at home. And um, last night, you know, Steph Curry just kind of wrapped that game up in the fourth. So you can't really fault them there. This is Alperen Shingun's team as far as the young guys. I understand the height with Jalen Green. I understand the height with Jabari. I like these guys. I don't root against any young player. I want all of the young guys to reach their fullest potential. I really do. But through the first three games, they have to simplify and start to have a, a, a chain in command. And they have to have a hierarchy. When Alperen Shingun touches that basketball, good things happen. When the offense revolves around him, he gets the looks and the ball um, at the top of the key or at the elbow, and guys are cutting, dribble handoffs, all of these type of different things, dropping it down to him out of the pick and roll, pick and popping. He's scoring, and he's giving them better and more successful chances to be an effective offensive unit. And I think at some point, Ime is just going to have to accept that, and he's going to have to communicate it to the other guys. Again, Jalen Green is supposed to be the young face. He was the top pick. Same with Jabari. I understand it. They're probably dominating the, the jersey sales. If you go to Houston Rocket fans, those are probably the guys that they're really banking on to be superstars. But through the first three games, good, great things happen when Alperen Shingun touches the basketball. Yeah, he has some work to do defensively. This entire unit does. But as far as offense, which is the, the, the upside with this team, He's the guy. Jalen Green, I like him, but he takes a lot of tough shots. It looks to the point that they're trying to force this role on him or they're trying to force, you know, this status where he's that guy. But as of right now, we're not getting those results. We're getting a lot of out of control basketball, um, a lot of not winning plays. Last night game against the Warriors, he had a turnover on a very silly pass and he was the last guy up the floor for both sides. The la- he turned the ball over. The Warriors are bringing it back up, and it's a five-on-four, and he's super, super delayed on getting back. And he didn't fall. He didn't go inside the crowd. He just didn't have any effort to get back. That, to me, is losing mentality and losing habits to where the past few years or a couple of years in his career, that's been acceptable. That is no longer acceptable under Ime Udoa. So I expect... Uh, email to go out and say, hey, we got to fix that type of stuff. And we're going to cut some of these these shot attempts down. Not that you can't take shots. It's the type of shots. So we're not going to cut the shot attempts down. Excuse me. We're going to cut the shot diet down. Instead of these one dribble pull up, fade in mid range shots, these three point shots that we're getting up with the first three seconds of the shot clock, that's always going to be there. Let's run a little bit more offense. We're going to run through Shingun, and we're going to try to generate as many easy buckets as we can. That's the name of the game, in my opinion, easy buckets. And then down the stretch is where you have guys make superstar heroic plays if necessary. But this team should be looking to get easy buckets off of Shingun, 
different actions from the elbow or from the top of the key because they have so much length, size, and athleticism. And then I want to see this team take into um, account defense. If they step it up on defense and they cause some turnovers, this is an athletic group who can get out into transition and get some easy ones. When you have Amen Thompson, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith Jr., Shingun is an athletic center. He's put some guys with some posters already during this season. Cam Whitmore when he starts to get more minutes in the rotation. Tari Eason. This team should be able to generate fast, quick, easy buckets and be highlight worthy. Like, even if you're going to lose against the Warriors, that's fine. This is the this is a, a first pivotal year. We're not expecting you guys to make the playoffs, but we also aren't expecting you guys to be at the bottom of the West again for like the third consecutive year, I believe. We're just not looking for that. So the Rockets, uh, Grizzlies are, are um, troubling me. Trailblazers are 0-3. Not surprised there, especially with the Anthony Simons um, injury. They got two guys I'll talk about um, later as far as guys that are kind of worrying or you know, um, disappointing me to start the season. And then the Nets. The Nets, I look at as the Grizzlies. The Nets have had some some close games. The Luka Maverick game where he hit the one-arm uh, shot to win that game, essentially very heartbreaking loss for them. And then you had Donovan Mitchell with the snatch back tween the leg three to win the game in Brooklyn for the home opener um, when Cam Johnson failed. So they haven't won a game yet. But based off those two games, they seem to be tough. Cam Thomas has been a big time uh, bright spot for them. Mikael Bridges isn't having that MIP, I'm the first option, number one guy type start to the year. Um, And offensively, that would have hurt them. But they have Cam Thomas, who's been a walking bucket and has been a big sign of relief. Ben Simmons has been close to to getting to what we want to see. Not there yet. Still some ways to go. But he's been available. He's been a monster on the glass. He's been an assist man for them, and he's given them some size up front without Nicholas Claxton in the last couple of games. So I'm looking at the Nets uh, as a as a 0-2 team um, or a winless team that's respectable thus far. Now, for the main thing, for the, for the title of this episode, Week 1 Awards, we have some good ones up here. What I love about the Week 1 Awards uh, that I have is, is when I look at some of the names for each award, I don't think it's far-fetched that these guys can win these awards. Like, these are names that I believe could actually win it at the end of the season. Um, The first one that I'm going to start with is Rookie of the Year. Okay, it's Victor Wimbanyama. He's averaging 16 points, 7 rebounds a game, 2 assists. Uh, We definitely want to see the shooting and efficiency be a little bit better. 45% from the field for him at his size you definitely want to see that um, up a lot. He does take mid-range jumpers, and he's, he's trying to tween-tween and shoot over guys and things like that. But again, with his size, easier buckets. The closer he is to the basket, the more efficient he should be. So we should be looking at that shot diet to get him closer and closer to the bucket. They also need some guard play. Sohan, I like the idea. Uh, but again, he's still in his developmental phase as well. Um, there's a lot of times where Vic is missed in transition or he runs down and busts his ass to get a matchup against a smaller guard and they just don't get him the ball. That can be very frustrating to watch in the first few games of the San Antonio Spurs. I'm expecting Popovich to uh, be highlighting that in film breakdowns and, and, and uh, walkthroughs. So hopefully we'll see some changes to that. Um, he's also giving you basically two steals and two blocks. Big time game changer on the defensive side of the floor. I'm liking the Spurs. They've basically in every game they've played in had a chance to win. And they've actually been extremely exciting. And I think they're going to be a lot better than 
projected and advertised as long as they don't try to shut down Wimby and you know do the whole we're being precautious he's a young guy let him play let him learn and let this team build their culture and swagger because they're definitely playing with a different pep in their step than we've been accustomed to seeing them over the last few years but Victor Wimbyama rookie of the year outside of him Chet I mean you know Chet has been shooting the ball well he's definitely a lot more efficient than uh Victor Wimbyama he's had the seven block game OKC has been doing their thing besides the fact of them running into Denver and shape being two of 16 they've been very fun but ultimately I the Victor Wimbyama it, it's real he's here and um I'm not I'm not mad at anybody that would say Chet is their week one rookie of the year but I had to give it to Vic just because uh it's been exciting out there but I'm, I'm now that I think about it, I'm not mad at Chet at all. If you take Chet, because the numbers are kind of similar, and yeah, he has been more efficient. So it's a toss up there. Um, six man of the year. Shout out to all my Orlando Magic fans around the world. Um, a lot of people think that I, I I'm hating on the Magic or I'm asleep because I had them as 12th in my seating. They are undefeated as of now. Shout out to them. But my six man of the year is Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony through the first couple of games. Um, 19 points per game, six rebounds, two assists. He's shooting 51% from the field, 44% from three. Um, his turnovers at zero, zero and a half. So he's protecting the basketball really, really well. I just love the punch that he's given them. He got his money and he's been playing really good basketball. I hope that he can keep it up. I think he can. Cole Anthony, in my mind, has always been this six man type of guy who can be a microwave. Um, I remember, you know, years ago, he torched my Knicks. And back-to-back night. So Cole Anthony, he's he's fitting that mold good, and he's a surprising candidate for that. And I always love those six-man-of-the-year guys who come out of nowhere and kind of take take in that role and accept it and um, are phenomenal in it. I think Cole fits that to a T. I've been kind of thinking this is the type of role Colin Sexton could be, Kobe White. I always felt like those three guys were kind of in the same vein of player. So it's good to see Cole Anthony – not necessarily allow himself to get lost in the shuffle, but say, hey, okay, I'm not a lead guard. I'm too small to be a shooting guard. Let me come off the bench and be a combo guard and, like, do what I do. You see, he, he's averaging more rebounds and assists, but he's giving you 19 points, and I think the Orlando Magic would take that for the entire course of the season. Staying on 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 par with the Orlando Magic, my coach of the year is Jamal Mosley. They're third defensively in the NBA and they're ninth offensively, which I think is extremely impressive with a young team. You know, we haven't had this breakout performance from Paolo just yet. We know it's coming. Um, but just as a collective unit, they have been really, really good. Top 10 offense, top 10 defense. That's a recipe for a very successful team. And with them being so young, it feels like so far throughout the first week, Coach Mosley is putting these players in position to be successful. Um, Franz Wagner had a really good first game. Jonathan Isaac is back. He's making defensive plays. Wendell Carter has been solid. Um, you know, uh, Cole Anthony, Markel, Paolo, he's putting these guys in position to be successful. And I think that is major for, um, coaches who coach young teams. Another name to consider obviously is Rick Carlisle. The Pacers have been phenomenal offensively and they're doing their thing. But ultimately, I'm leaning to coach mostly because you have a top 10 offense and top 10 defense and you're undefeated, just like the Pacers. So I lean to Jamal Mosley there. Um, Defensive player of the year. Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert. Um, The the Timberwolves are one of the top defenses in the NBA, and they're one of the top defenses in a lot of different categories when it comes to um, opponents going in the paint. 
they're they're in the top of that opponent field goal percentage um you know opponent effective field goal percent like the the timberwolves have been good and i'm crediting a lot of that to rudy he's averaging a couple blocks and like a steal and a half i believe the defensive player of the year is always tough to start the year because i'm looking for who is doing a thing um the the magic did have you know a, a case as one of the top defensive teams but I held it against the Magic that they played against the Rockets and the Trailblazers. And, um, you know, that kind of – we got to see some more. We got to see some more. But uh, ultimately, I decided to go with, with Rudy there. That's going to be interesting to see if it can be sustainable throughout the course of the season. Um, you know, uh, for that, that Timberwolves team, they got to win some games as well. They've been better, but they definitely – they got to make sure that they stay afloat out there in the West – um, Scotty Barnes has been electrifying defensively as well, but because Minnesota is a better defense than Toronto, I'm leaning towards Minnesota. The Pelicans have been really good defensively, and obviously the Orlando Magic. But again, I'm leaning to Rudy with this first opening week. Um, most improved player, a guy who, who like I said, uh, I've heard people pick him um, in their preseason predictions for awards. Tyrese Maxey giving you 30 points per game, seven rebounds, six assists. Um, one turnover per game. I love that from him. 50% from the field, 56% from three, and 91% from the free throw line. For a team that's missing James Harden, Tyrese Maxey has answered the call so far throughout these first few games. I loved his opening night performance against the Milwaukee Bucks. Really went head-to-head with Damian Lillard. Um, He was getting buckets from everywhere, the three-point line, uh, midi, he was finishing in the trenches against the big guys, getting and ones. I was super impressed. His pace was nice. He wasn't out of control. Uh, good decision-making, uh, distributing the basketball. And he really kept that team alive that night because that was one of those nights where Joel Embiid, he scored and did some Joel Embiid things, but he had a really ugly night, especially with the turnovers, and it just looked like his conditioning and, and stamina was catching up to him in the game. But uh, Tyrese Maxey really, really carried them that night, so I was proud to see that from him. So um, Tyrese Maxey, MIP for me um, thus far. MVP is also my clutch player of the year throughout the first week. And that's Luka Doncic, man. Luka Doncic averaging uh, 41 points per game, 11.5 rebounds, 8.5 assists. He's shooting 58% from the field, 48% from three. He's averaging two turnovers, which when you think about his usage and how much he has the basketball, two turnovers. I'm so proud of Luka for that. Um, Phenomenal. He's already stacking up the moments. He turned it on against the, the Spurs in that fourth quarter. He's turned it on against the Nets in that fourth quarter. He's tied for fourth quarter points, I think averaging 12 a quarter uh, per fourth quarter thus far. His clutch time numbers are in, in, impeccable. He's shooting like 75% from three or from the field in the clutch. He's shooting like 71% from three in the clutch. Like he's just not missing. He has zero fourth quarter turnovers, zero turnovers in clutch time like Luca has been literally phenomenal um his fourth quarter numbers 12 points per game 73 percent from the field 71 percent from three zero turnovers um I just think that he's been absolutely dominant and flawless he was frustrating me a little bit in the Spurs game early on just because he was a little bit settling he was settling a lot and then I started to see him touch the paint and get inside and I'm like Luca they cannot stop you there they cannot stop you there. Stop settling, please. But he shut me up quickly. 
because the second half performance, absolute dominance, and he led his team to victory on both of those occasions with big time fourth quarters. And I don't think that that's a trend that is going to slow down at all. Could this be the year? I've been a guy who's picked Luka Doncic to win MVP um, the last, I don't know how many years, and it just hasn't happened. They're 2-0. They're not the prettiest wins, but that's what gets you MVP by having these type of moments when you're grinding out these these games and and making heroic-type shots. And uh, this maybe could be the year. I'm excited for Luka. Now, some disappointments that we have to talk about and address. Um, I have some disappointing things that I'm going to talk about from some of the star players. Um, Joel Embiid, exactly. Just nothing crazy. I don't want 76ers fans to think I'm going to go in on the process. It's just something that I saw. Um, just like Luka settling him, Giannis, and Luka were three guys that stood out to me as far as settling um, when they're absolutely dominant in the interior. But before we get to them, because that's kind of just like just like just thoughts and opinions, Scoot Henderson, man. Scoot Henderson is having probably the ugliest start of all of the rookies so far. And I think a lot of people expected this to be Brandon Miller. Um, but it's Scoot. Um, through the first few games, the Trailblazers are winless. Scoot is shooting 30% from the field. Shooting 30% from the field. He's shooting 8% from three. He is averaging four and a half turnovers to three assists. And it's just been ugly. It's been ugly. The entire team has been ugly. But Scoot, as a guy that was supposed to be their top pick and the guy who was you know, turning the ties from Damian Lillard. I know we're not trying to compare or put that shadow over school. That's a lot to live up to. But for organizations that are looking for that that shot in the arm of rejuvenation for this this young youthful movement, you lose Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson is having as rough of a start um, as any rookie. Shaden Sharp has probably been the bright spot as far as the young guys. Uh, but I have been disappointed. In, in, in the start for Scoot. I do know that he's going to turn it around. I don't think Scoot Henderson is going to shoot 8% from three this entire year or 30% from the field. Um, at some point, I do believe the turnovers uh, will cut down or at least the assists will, will will be more than the turnovers. But that is a name. Um, another name, his teammate, DeAndre Aiden. DeAndre Aiden is averaging the career lows um, right now. And... Through the first three games, he's only have what uh, five turnovers to four assists as a big. That's just not ideal. I'm the turnover police. He also has one free throw through the first three games. If that doesn't tell you a lack of aggression, and I, I just don't know what else what else can. But yeah, uh, 25 points through three games, one free throw attempt, career low in field goals attempted, career low in points. Um, just, just an overall very disappointing start for him just because I, I felt that all of the drama, all of the hoopla about him and the Suns and, you know, does he match what they're trying to do? He's ready to go. He gets traded. The video of him walking into Portland, oh, it feels like I got drafted here. I'm excited. And we just haven't had that, that, that dog or that, that look and that feel of like, I have a fresh new start. Let me change the narrative. Instead, we kind of have similar things. And with the amount of money he's getting paid in this new situation, the Portland Trailblazers and the fan base were leaning on him to have a rejuvenated, you know, year in his career. And it's not too late. We're only three games in. We overreacted to a lot of different things. But 
career low in minutes. Chauncey is only playing him 24.7 minutes per game, 25 minutes a game. Is that something to do with the defense? I don't know. You know, Robert Williams is on his team as well. He's averaging seven shots a game. Never in his career has he averaged below 10. Even as a rookie, he averaged 12 shots per game. Um, Again, like I said, one free throw attempt through the first three games, and he's averaging eight points, which would be a career low. Every year of his career, he's averaged at least 14 points per game. This year, he's averaging eight, um, and he's averaging four fouls, which is so far a career high. He's never averaged more than 3.1 fouls. Um, so that's, yeah, that's just something to look out for. He's rebounding the ball. Good. This is a career high 12 rebounds so far. I'll give him that, um, three offensive rebounds per game. But when you think about the money he's making and what Portland is looking for and the talk around his name about, you know, new change of scenery, changing the narrative around his name, we haven't had that. And when I watch certain parts of the trailblazers game and I'm clicking around, if it's frustrating, it's frustrating. I'm seeing guys give him good passes out of the pick and roll and he's doing things like just dropping the pass and he's still, you know, just kind of looks like he's going through the motions. He did have a better game against the Magic. I did like that performance from him, but still just kind of very similar to the Suns performances. And I got the Suns performances because you're with Devin Booker and Chris Paul, McHale, and then Kevin Durant. But for you to be out there with a team that nobody is really proven to be better than you, Potential may be higher, but like you're DeAndre Aiden, you're a double double machine, 14 and 10. You know, you should be dominating at least the statistics and the, the box scores for this team and just haven't had it. Um, another guy, Carl Anthony Towns. You look around at the, the Minnesota Timberwolves, they gave up so much to get Rudy. So he's probably going to be there. He makes a lot of money. Anthony Edwards is a big time moneymaker now. Jaden McDaniel just got his money. Carl Anthony Towns from a um, logistics standpoint, money-wise, and now on top of that, the performance, yeah, the Timberwolves may be saying that the clock is ticking. They may be saying that the clock is ticking, man. 15-10 and 10 to start the year, 35% from the field, 21% from three, 67% from the free throw line, um, one and a half free throw attempt per game. I, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. We've seen we, we've we've seen ugly performances as well, turnovers and just lackadaisical plays. Um, they have they do have a win, which was good for them. But Carl Anthony Towns is not looking good. He's not looking good. Last year he barely played like with twenty nine games. He's been banged up a lot throughout the course of his career. And now on top of that, he's back and he's healthy. The fit with him and Rudy has always been in question. How is that going to look? Can they make that happen and make that work? With these numbers, it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. The points, he's going to score points. He's Carl Anthony Towns. I'm not really um, against that per se. But, you know, the efficiency is something that, you count on to be there for Cat, and it, it, it just hasn't. It, it, it just has. There's no way I could put it. it. It hasn't looked good. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to pile up on Cat because I like Cat, and he's been through a lot, and I'm rooting for him. And I think the Timberwolves are a team that we all want to see be good because they have guys that we like. We like Anthony Edwards. We like um, Jalen McDaniels. Um, we like Cat. We like Nat, Nas Reed. People love Rudy or like Rudy. Um, so we want to see them win. We 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 really we really do. Um, he really did. We we really do. Um, but 
35 percent that's just not that's not cat and it's not good enough um pascal siakam in toronto Another guy who's been linked to trades and different things like that, uh, kind of confusing. He's not have he's having you know, what like he's tied for like third in shot attempts. Him and Gary Trent Jr. average the same amount of shot attempts. I think thirteen a game. Pascal is shooting thirty seven percent from the field, forty uh, percent from three, seventy two percent from the free throw line, fifteen points, seven rebounds, four assists. Just not Pascal Siakam type numbers and impact and feel. I don't know if that has anything to do with the emergence of Scotty Barnes and how he's been playing. I believe Scotty Barnes does lead them in field goal attempts. I think second is Dennis Schroeder, and then you have Pascal, Gary Trent, and then OG, who was fifth in uh in, in field goal attempts. Just not the start that I was I was thinking of getting from Pascal. Still early, still has a chance to change that. I, I wonder if the trade rumors or anything is getting to him. Um, is it the new coaching? Like, why? It, That's something to pay attention to, though. Pascal has been very, you know, minimalist. Or, or he's been very minimal in the first few games. And uh, the shooting numbers don't look encouraging. And uh, as a, with a guy that's had the rumors around his name and with the start that the Hawks have had, we may can see something that I don't. I don't know. You know, Jalen Johnson. Uh, hey, if I if I'm if I'm the Raptors, I need Jalen Johnson immediately. Bring me Jalen Johnson. Um, although I don't know how he fits because again, you have Scotty Barnes, OG. There's just you know, uh, it's redundant over there. But still, Jalen Johnson is looking good. If I'm the if I'm the Raptors, I'm like, hey, let me get Jalen Johnson. Y'all got Pascal. Um, speaking of the Hawks, though, Trey Young is another guy on my list. They're just like ugly starts. Uh, he's Averaging 20 and 11, he's going to give you the numbers. We we know that just because of the usage. But efficiency-wise, I mean 26% from the field. Like every 10 shots he shoots, he's only making two. And 27% from three. Those are extremely low. 4.7, almost five turnovers a game. So, yeah, you're getting 11 assists, but five turnovers a game is a lot of turnovers. And the Hawks have not really looked well. And when they have, the bright spot has not been Trey Young. It's been Jalen Johnson, DeAndre Hunter had a night. They beat the Bucks last night, but still kind of ugly for Trey Young. Maybe the percentages changed from last night's game. I'm not sure. But at one point, yeah, 26% from the field, 27% from three. That's not Trey Young, Trey Young at all. And it just the Hawks don't look like it's flowing. They look the same as last year, and they don't seem to have things figured out. DeJounte Murray had a game where he shot 0-3 from three, and the threes he would take. I'm just like, that's not DeJounte. That's not DeJounte. And they still haven't figured out how to unlock Trey Young to be a little bit more dynamic and not this guy who's just launching from the logo. Um, so I don't know, man. I don't know. The Hawks are worrying me because I, 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 I bought stock in them early. To begin the year, I thought that they could maybe play up to being a six seed type of team and maybe, you know, uh, answer the disrespect, especially Trey. And so far, I'm discouraged. I'm discouraged. I'm discouraged. Um, as far as the settling that I want to talk about real quickly before we get up out of here, um, throughout some of the first couple games, yeah, just a lot of settling, man. I want to see some of these stars and these players get closer to the basket. Giannis did a lot of settling with jump shots and mid ranges and three point looks. When he's just so dominant on the interior. Same thing with Joel Embiid. In the first game, Joel Embiid, um, he had five shots inside of 10 feet. He had 21 shot attempts. So 
his other 16 shots were outside of 10 feet, but he had five shots inside of 10 feet, and he didn't have the greatest game. And then the other night, his best game, he had 21 shot attempts again, except he had 15 shots inside of 10 feet. So it's like no wonder you had a way better game. You were closer to the basket. Like, let's get closer to the basket. Please, 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 please. Um, I would love to know how many offensive rebounds he got in that game just out of curiosity because I was seeing in the first game against the Bucks, he had no offensive rebounds, and I was like, my eye test, that made sense because when I watched that game, he was so far away from the basket that I'm like, of course he didn't have any offensive rebounds. Um, you know, you played – you played so close to the basket. So throughout the first three games, I like the trend of him playing a lot closer to the basket and, and doing his thing there. Um, yeah, first two games, zero offensive rebounds, five offensive rebounds in the last game. So pl- play closer to the basket. You get more offensive rebounds. It'd be a lot more effective. But um, I'm loving what Joel Embiid did the, the other night. Six blocks his damn self. That was a great performance. Hopefully James Harden can come through. Uh, Zach Levine, 51 against the Pistons in a loss where you lose. Not only you lose, but you lose by double digits. And I watched that game. A couple things I'm going to say about that. The Bulls just, something has to change. Um, Zach Levine, in the course of that game, he had, and I'm not trying to say this as a negative against Zach Levine. It's just an eye-opening thing and, and something that I look at when I watch film. Obviously, I'm looking at how they're scoring, defense. I'm looking at the intangibles of the game for sure. But I also look at little itty bitty details. I look at body language. I look at demeanor. I look at communication. I look at every little thing that I can get expressions, reactions, and different things like that. Um, and I try to really dive in to really understand. And I did a, a breakdown on Zach Levine's 51 points, which will be on YouTube. So you guys can, can check that out if you missed the stream. But he took some shots that were kind of like middle fingers to the team and not in a bad way. It was just like, I'll, hey, I'll do this myself. The rapper Russ has a song like, you know, uh, no one got this. No one got that. F it. I'll do it myself. Like, don't worry about it. I just do it. Don't don't worry about it. You can't you have nothing to offer. I'll just do it alone. I'll handle it. Don't worry about it. And that's what that that told me, like. Him and DeMar DeRozan looking around that locker room and they're looking around on the floor and they're kind of like, it's us. So when DeMar is cooking and rolling, DeMar is like, I, I'm taking some terrible shots because I just trust me that much more. Zach Levine was on fire and he was cooking, but he also had some shots. So I'm like, man, he shot that? And when you look around, I see why he shot it. There were certain points where the Pistons in the second half, finally, I would have done it a lot earlier if I were them. But they were like, hey, let's just put three bodies right here. I don't care what anybody else does. Zach Levine coming off that pick and roll. Y'all three are right here. Killian, you play his side. Uh, the, the the big is playing drop coverage. But I want you to step up a little bit in the drop. Not as far as you were in the first half when he was torching us. And then you have whoever's guarding him coming off around that screen, trying to fight through, being on his backside or still on his hip, trying to recover. And it's like, we'll live with anything else. You got Drummond rolling. Sure, he can have it. Let's let's see him make a play or finish. You have Caruso cutting baseline behind our center who's playing drop cut or behind Kate Cunningham who's in front of the basket. We don't think Zach Levine is passing the ball there and we're fine with Caruso being in the dunker spot. You got DeMar DeRozan in the corner. We'll sag off and play the gap gap heavy. You have Patrick Williams in the corner. 
hey, Isaiah Stewart, play extreme gap because he didn't even score a bucket the whole game. Kobe White, he had a play in that game against Detroit where Zach Levine is bringing in a transition. He absorbs like three or four defenders, and he's trying to pass out to the corner three on the right side of the court. Kobe White doesn't run the floor hard enough to get to that spot, and he ends up stopping short of that. And it turns into a turnover for Levine. And you see Levine's reaction of like he's pointing, like, yo, you gotta run the floor. You gotta get there. Why would you stop that high? You're no threat there. I can't I can't make that pass with four people to wrap it around four guys and throw it back to you up top or to the wing. You gotta get to the corner. And his his frustration was evident there. And I'm not saying he's wrong. This is again nothing against Zach Levine. I think he's in the right here. But something in Chicago has to snap and switch. And I think they're going to have to make some moves sooner than later. 15 games into the season, you might have to pick up that phone and say, hey, what you think about Patrick Williams? Zero points and just how he looks out there from an eye test. I don't even have to look at the box score. I know the box score is helping me out. We only have to look at it. It just does. It's not working. On the last year where he's looking for what money they said he was looking for? Shit. Yikes. Yeah, Kobe White, starting point guard. Yeah, I, I'm just saying. Off the bench, uh, uh, Javon was one of six. Torrey Craig, I think, was... No, Drummond as a big was one of six. Io, they damn near didn't want to bring back... I, I don't know. The Bulls have some decisions to make, and they've been like the head scratcher to start the year you know what i'm saying i i, I love the bulls because they're chicago my cousin is javon carter i love him and i'm rooting for whatever team he plays on but as just a fan of basketball this team has been hard to really watch and process 51 points and you still lose by double digits to a young detroit team who doesn't have it all figured out they're trying to figure it out now first time like not first time head coach, but new head coach asar thompson a rookie is starting for them He's a good rookie, but like they're super young. This is Jalen Duran's second year. This is basically Kay Cunningham's second year. You know, Jaden Ivey, Killian Hayes, like this is a young team. And they were able to weather that 51-point storm like it was nothing. They it just didn't phase them. So um I don't know, man. I don't know. Players meeting after the first game, yikers. Yeah, something something drastic has to happen in Chicago. And I'm not just saying fire the coach. Like, I'm tired of seeing that cycle where it's like, hey, we suck, so let's fire the coach and pretend it was all him. This is deeper than coaching. Um, that's all I have. Open a week of the NBA. First episode of the Heliocentric Podcast. This has been a blast. We an hour in, an hour episode for the first episode. I like this. Um man thank you guys for tuning in please give me extreme feedback in the comments on youtube or on twitter again like i said in the intro i'm really really going to be leaning on you guys for support throughout my creator content creator uh if that's what you want to call it career i've always been a guy who just made my craft and kind of uploaded and went about my day but uh i definitely am going to be leaning on you guys because this podcast and journey as a solo act is new for me and i definitely want to get out get out on the right foot uh the same way i say that these nba teams should so please please support in any way it's all of it is going to be appreciated appreciative or appreciated um share it on your twitter if you see it on the timeline give it a retweet or a like um definitely go to those audio platforms or wherever you get your podcast and make sure you leave five stars and a like 
um give me a review be active in the comment section i'm always looking out for different uh things to bring and we're going to add certain uh segments and whatnot as we go thank you for your patience and your support as always i am Pee Wee the plug and i will see you guys next time i'm out peace